Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Time Out Comedian of the Year, Russell Good evening. Nice of you to have turned up, thanks. Lovely to see you all. Thanks for coming, are you all right? Nice in here, isn't it? Nice atmosphere in that. Nice to come in here. Oh, I can see you all. How beautiful. So, right, yeah, I want to talk to you about shame, right, and embarrassment. I'm always I get embarrassed and ashamed all the time, right? Really always find myself in really awkward... Ah, oh, there are. Even, even while telling you that I get into embarrassing situations, I trip over a microphone cord that I insisted was made gold. <laughs> oh, oh, Christ, why? Um, yeah, right, I every year have to go on these skiing holidays. I hate skiing. It's like conscription skiing holidays that I'm forced to go on, right? And I have to go with these, like, look at me. I have to go, I can't ski. I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't know. I don't like the sticks. I'm frightened of it, right? And I'm forced to go with these proper, like, northern men. Right, a group of about ten northern men. Proper fucking men, all right? Fucking, all right? Have some of that fucking men. Look at how they walk different movements. Men that emanate from their cocks. Cock men, I'll call them. All right, fucking, I'll come fucking skiing. Right, sort of move, sort of like that. All right, fucking, all right? Oh, I'm much more like, yeah, ooh, hello. Let's ski, guys. So I had to go skiing with ten cock men. Everything they do is from the cock. Every movement, watch. I will demonstrate one drinking. Watch. The cock moved. The cock is involved in their every action. I'm not in a position to judge that aspect, I suppose. Right? So I went on this skiing holiday with ten cock men. Ten men. Men. Like one woman and me. Right? Not sure which camp really to dwell with. We went to this place, Val d'Isère in France. And you have to, first of all, you have to go to Lyon Airport, right? And uh, when we got to the airport, the three most alpha males went to get the hire cars, right? And go to me, Russell, you look after two bags, right? <laughs> I don't mind looking after two bags. <laughs> Looking after tut bags is a perfectly acceptable role for a beta male. It's fine. And also, that could be quite a good bit of the holiday. I like the carousel bit of the holiday. If your bags come quickly, sighting. Oh, oh, it's my bag. My bag's next to your bag. 
Do you think our bags became friends on the phone? No, sorry, sorry, no. They probably didn't. Right? So I quite like it. I'm doing quite well at getting all the bags. Sort of, it's like a game, right? Fun, nice. Got all the bags ready. There's one girl in our party who's sort of still trying to locate that bag. Along the conveyor belt a little bit more this way, right? There's a group of geezers. What proper fucking geezers. <laughs> Testosteronal, pheromonal fucking geezers. Might as well be ejaculating in the airport. <laughs> Fucking hell, I'm so masculine. I'm gonna fuck something in here. Something's getting fucking pregnant. Fuck a plant if I have to. They're ridiculing one of their party because he's made some vague nod to sartorial elegance. I think he had quite nice boots on, right? That singled him out as, Gary, you fucking puff. Gary, you wear them fucking boots for you, fucking puffed up, 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 puffed up. You know, um, you know that diagram, the ascent of man, well, has, you know, it sort of starts like that, and then it's like that, and then it's like that, and then it's, oh, hello, it's us now, good evening. <laughs> They're much more here. Much more here. Gary, you fucking puff. Don't go fucking puff boots, you fucking puff, you fucking all enough. They're all fucking puff boots. Gary, you fucking boots, you fucking puff. Puff that, puff that, Gurgling out some pre-linguistic grumble that will baffle Chomsky. I thought we may have had a language gene. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, the girl in our party, Hannah, her bag is black but it's got sort of pink piping all the way around it, really bright pink handles. The emblem of it is of a, a woman's sort of crutch, and uh, it's got a sort of a motto written in italics, Dirty Weekend. <laughs> the geezers see that bag, come round and go, Oi, Gary, there's your fucking bag, you fucking put that. Where you fucking put Fucking iron off bag, you fucking mug, you fucking puff that. Not saying it's literally your bag, more that it's the kind of bag you would have an icon of femininity representative in a way you'll be able in fucking boots. You fuck. They didn't say that. They didn't offer insight and analysis on the situation. Like, like, a, bit, like a monkey, if it's eating a banana, it wouldn't go like, oh, that's quite phallic. I'm not putting that in my mouth, I'll stop it. But they're in the moment. They're not bearing witness to reality as it occurs. They're too sort of caught up in it. Gary, that's your fucking puff bag, you fucking puff. Puff that, puff that, you're fucking puff bag. Come here, Gary. Where are you fucking puff? Puff that, puff that, puff that, puff that, puff that, puff that, puff that. I'm thinking, I've got to collect that bag in a minute. <laughs> Being silly. Right, so I've got two options in this potentially humiliating situation. One, I could just let the bag go by, right? Let it go around the carousel, pretend it's not mine. But to see your bag, to recognise your bag, and then to let it pass, that goes against everything the carousel game stands for. <laughs> not in my name. Oh, no, you bloody well don't. Also, 
I start thinking, all right, my masculinity is not as typical as theirs, right? It's not an archetypical form of aggressive masculinity. But I'm still a man. I don't have to be ashamed of what I am. I don't have to spend my whole life apologising for being a bit unusual. I don't have to be afraid no more. I can just be me, right? I can take that bag. I can do what I want. I'm not going to apologise anymore. So I decide, not only will I collect the bag, but also that I will confront them. <laughs> Naive. <laughs> because I don't understand the language of violence and confrontation. I don't know the code. I lack the nomenclature. I know the word nomenclature, and this in itself prohibits me from being good at fighting. <laughs> Look at how I do the confrontation, right? This is how rubbish I am at doing a confrontation, how much I've misunderstood the dynamic of a confrontation. I will recreate for you live here for your perusal that moment as it happened, right? I reach down for the bag, think, right, I'm going to do the confrontation now. This is how I begin the confrontation. <laughs> Never begin a confrontation with... That is how mums get a neighbour's attention. Oh, Gene, Gene! It is an essentially feminine sound. I think you need a vagina to do it properly. <laughs> to recognise how feminine it is, try to imagine an icon of masculinity making that sound. Try and imagine Clint Eastwood making that sound. <laughs> Ooh. Or Ray Winston making a... Oh, oh! <laughs> Don't sound right. <laughs> I know what this looks like, but it's not actually my bag. I'm collecting it for a friend. Leader of the Holiday Enemies, immediately, quick as a flash, goes... Oh, yeah. I believe you, mate. Fares is what? <laughs> Fares is what? He pleased with himself for that. Embarrassing for me. Hurt my feelings. Thanks for your sympathy. Right then, later, there's another embarrassing altercation. You know, like, we're mostly probably English people, right? So we're embarrassed all the time. Now, if you're in another country and things are slightly different, so still in the airport, and I've got the bags and everything, all quite pleased, you know, I'm a bit bruised by that experience, but I'm trying to get through, you know, them doors, what's like, uh, automatic, there's a word for it, <laughs> automatic doors, right? And because it's France, right, and things are a little bit different, I'm not sure if it's, like, meant to be an entrance door or an exit door, and I don't want to walk right up to it and commit in case you're meant to come through the other side, and I, I just, I couldn't live with myself if that happened. <laughs> right, so, so... And the sensor is really delayed before it opens, so I'm sort of like walking up to it, sort of nervously, sort of approaching it like a circus show pony, like a feather plume on the edge. <laughs> Eventually go through the door, and leader of Holiday Enemies is there watching. He goes, That was complicated, wasn't it? <laughs> Again, I opt for the confrontation, right? Foolish. Because I just don't know how to do them properly. This is what I said, right? Again, watch this live. I'll recreate it for you. I go... <clears throat> <laughs> I can see you boys are going to be travel. <laughs> I 
you've said something like that, that's it, it's out in the world now. That's part of your life, ain't it? It's with you, that's it, you've said that thing. Humiliating, I've got to live with that knowledge. It's not like I think of it all the time. I weren't thinking about it when I was walking about earlier or just now or anything, but it's sort of with me. And like mostly what happens is there's some part of me, some malevolent, cruel thing within me that won't let me forget that. Some dark sprite of malevolence won't never let me be free. Normally it strikes when I'm like about to fall to sleep, when I'm all resting and peaceful. This cruel thing within me gets off on telling me stuff I've done that makes me look bad. <laughs> Russell. <laughs> Russell. <laughs> well, I'm confused. Yeah, hi. Um, sorry to disturb you, Russell. I see you getting to sleep and that, and um, you know, I hope you have a good night's sleep. I just wanted to remind you of that time when you got into a confrontation in the airport with those guys and you felt all insecure about yourself and your masculinity and stuff and your genitals retracted back up into you and you said you said and I believe this is verbatim I can see you boys are going to be in trouble <laughs> sleep well kicking the duvet. Oh shit, that thing. Legs involuntarily sort of trying to kick it away with sort of, as if it's the duvet's fault somehow. Ah, oh, that thing. There is no tog strength powerful enough to protect you from the chill of shame. Mm. Water. If, right, um, your body is 90% water. What have you got to drink water all the time for? <laughs> Why can't I just have some crisps? <laughs> right, so I used to be able to distract myself from feeling embarrassed and ashamed by um, drinking and taking drugs. Cheer me up a little bit. Can't do that anymore because I've spoiled it. Took too much of it. <laughs> But thanks. Thanks for cheering the old near decline. <laughs> it's part of me that's not really over it. There's a little part of my brain that's, Russell, where are the opiates? I'm afraid we can't have any more opiates. Why? She nearly killed me, didn't she? <laughs> it was just a joke. So now, because I can't do that anymore, I like to have it off, right? As sort of... Thanks. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, let's cheer the idea of sex. We're pretty wild. Yeah. We're pretty funky. We like a bit of Al's your father, you know. Oof. Yeah. Right? A sort of, you know, sex is sort of a hobby. I like it. Would you believe that there are people that are trying to spoil that for me now? <laughs> it beggars belief. I know, it's shocking, isn't it? Shocking way to carry on. 
I really likes it. It's distracting, ain't it, to have sex? Right across the sexual gamut, really, from onanism, the sexual acts you can commit by yourself, right, you know, to the most exciting, spicy, conjugal arrangements, numerous partners. There are different mentalities, though, ain't there? Right, sort of like, with wanking, for example, sometimes you can have a sort of, like, quite light-hearted sort of a wank. You know, quite playful, cheeky, 1970s style, what I like to call, I like to call it sort of carry-on wanking. <laughs> sort of wank where you could click your heels during it. <laughs> That's all right, that don't really create too many problems, quite light-hearted. But what about that sort of wanking where you take your sexuality very seriously? Look at my serious face. <laughs> I'm really serious about my sexuality, yeah. yeah. Like maybe snarl a bit. <laughs> or bite your lip. Did porno films get that from us or did we get it from them? What do we ever know? <laughs> maybe talk to yourself a little bit. Oh yeah, I'm gonna fucking come. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stop filming that. How are you going to, without context, this could look very saucy. <laughs> Just demonstrating my sexuality. Everyone does it. Oh, yeah. Oh. May you do that noise like that you do when you're a little kid? Oh. Oh, oh. oh fucking come, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm serious sexual being, I'm gonna come. Maybe put your fingers up your ass a little bit. Maybe. A little bit. Come on. I'll give it a whirl. This lad, he looks disgusted. I beg you, do not go to your grave not knowing what it's like. It's such a short journey from here to here. You've got to find out about it. We have access to a world of wonder. Our own internal brown Narnia. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna fucking come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the kind of wank is embarrassing if the cat comes in, no? Shoo. <laughs> Still wanking, though, but. Shoo. You don't want to lose the rhythm, you know. Stop it, Morrissey. Go on, go out. Daddy's busy. Daddy's busy. Awful. Hate myself for Daddy's busy. Still wanking. Still wanking. It's difficult because cats don't wank. You look so innocent and confused and stuff, you know. It's not part of feline behaviour to masturbate. He thinks it's a game. Stop it. Still wanking. Oh, crying and wanking. Tears falling onto an erect cock. Is that unusual? Oh. Tis unusual. Yeah, I like that sort of wanking. Exciting. What about, though, what I suppose is perfect, what is very heaven, is when you find a sexual partner with whom you can lose yourself, where you can create a sexual context of absolute perpetual bliss. A moment that exists outside of time, a moment where you're unaware of your birth, unaware of your death, where you're absolutely in that animalistic moment and yet at the same time divine. I likes them. 
Freud says the sexual self is the essential self. Who you are when you're fucking is who you are in your soul. And that's a good idea for me because I quite like that lizard boy I become during sex. Oh, yeah, I'm a kind of lizard boy thing. Oh, yeah. Ooh. You know, like, so if you see Prince performing, if you see Prince the pop star performing rock and roll, right? He's like, oh, hello, I'm Prince, I've come to do some rock and roll, right? He embodies rock and roll. In that moment, he becomes what he is. And in those moments when sex is perfect, when you're absolutely lost in it, I think, I'm not fucking. I am fuck. <laughs> Nice sometimes, a little bit, during sex, to do some talking dirty. Sex talk, you know, talking dirty. Nice. Because otherwise maybe some intimacy will happen, you know. If you're not careful, you could establish intimacy, that's going to ruin the sex. Because like, I mean, like, if you're really enjoying sex with someone, and it's if you don't know them, sort of like a laugh, really good fun, but then you sort of like, maybe you'll find out that, you know, she'll tell you maybe that her brother is diabetic. <laughs> I'm worried about him now. <laughs> is your brother all right? <laughs> Should I get him a biscuit? <laughs> I'll wash my hands first. No, I'm worried, I'll get him. <laughs> the problem, of course, with talking dirty in sex is that we only have a very limited vocabulary to draw from, right? There ain't that many sex things you can say. And if you make a mistake during it, it really clangs, no? <laughs> Sounds bad. You can only really say, I wanna fuck you, fuck me, fuck you, fuck, fuckity fuck, you know? There's not that many things you can say. I once made a terrible mistake in a sexual situation. I was going, it was going quite well, actually. I was enjoying myself. I think this is a good performance. It's all right, you know. Oh, why do you have to spoil it for then? You know, and I accidentally, during sex, sort of thought, yeah, heighten it a bit with some talking dirty. And I said, by mistake, sort of went, oh, I'd like to do a fuck on you. <laughs> He's going to put his little finger up his bottom, I think. <laughs> I've touched you, and I? He's already got one digit inside him. Go on, get in the lavvy, you saucy devil. I'll be in in a minute with some lubrication. <laughs> yeah, and on one occasion, worse even than that, right? I was, if, I, if I tell you this thing, right, after I've told you, don't judge me and think... <laughs> Oh, what a dickhead, right? Remember that it was me that told you. The only reason you know is because I've told you, all right? So remember that. Don't think, oh, we're superior, we've got one on over him. No, I told you this thing, all right? Because it's embarrassing. There was a time during sex where I accidentally, accidentally, might have, I did. A little bit, accidentally, a little bit, put on an American accent. <laughs> mean to. I accidentally went. It's going so well. 
Uh, oh, fuck me good. <laughs> Could you ever love me? Yeah, alright Russell, sorry to disturb you, because you're sleeping in that. Um, just wanted to remind you of that time you were having sex and you felt all confident about your sexuality. And remember, I'm not fucking, I am fucking, remember that? And you said, you said, and I believe this is verbatim, Oh, fuck me good! Sweet dreams. What about, I like it, if you, if you are a fella and you do know, you do have, you know, a dinkle, etc. It is quite nice. Them blowjobs, what you get sometimes, never suggest it, if, you know, if the girl does it, they ain't suggested it. I like them blowjobs, right, where it goes in their neck a little bit. I would never suggest it. I would su- I've not suggested it, it's the, her idea. Them blowjobs where it goes, uh, 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 that noise. Uh, uh. Nice. I wouldn't suggest it. Be wrong to suggest it. <laughs> then, then blowjobs where mascara runs a little bit. <laughs> Good. Where too much saliva is cut. <laughs> a lot of spit. <laughs> but I wouldn't suggest it. That'd be horrible if I suggested it. Now that that's improper. But if they suggest it, <laughs> also, I will say this. It is my humble view that there ain't a single sexual act from the humble wank right up to the sexual apotheoses that is bumming (laughs) that ain't enhanced by spitting. (laughs) There's literally no joke there. That is just a sex tip. (laughs) Just want this gig to have a bit of take-home value, really. (laughs) It's my dear wish that someone here tonight will go home and the domestic darkness of their conjugal lives will be punctured by this sound. (laughs) (laughs) I really think I'll pull something back into the world. If that were to happen. Yeah. I was having one of them blowjobs once, going really well, enjoying it, nice. And she like, oh, and the girl like took my cock out of her mouth. <laughs> That's an exaggeration, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> she took my cock out of her mouth. It's more like. Out of her mouth, looked at me all serious and went, Do you like me deep throat in your heart? <laughs> Said, I don't like you using the word deep throat as a continuous verb. 
That noise is a siren from the universe that you are having sexual excitement in your lives. That is the world informing you that your life is exciting, sex-wise. If you hear that noise during sex. If you hear this noise during sex. That means you're misusing a vacuum cleaner. I feel bad enough after I ejaculate if I'm with a human being, you know. If after I come I look down at the face of Henry the Uber. <laughs> oh Henry, what have I done? <laughs> he would only try and help. You just wanted things to be clean, didn't you? And I've made him dirtier than ever. <laughs> but it will cause confusion if you put a face on a machine that has the ability to suck, right? Dangerous. And put eyelashes on a toaster. It's golden brown. You're a lovely little pop chart. Oh. Nice to do that. At least Henry the Hoover, I suppose he's got wheels, so if you feel awful afterwards, you can just sort of like kick him back in a spare room. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, the old sex. Good old sex. It'll bring us all down eventually, you know. Or me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, I thought this. If you're me, and I am, right? <laughs> and you sort of grew up thinking that maybe he was a little bit fat and awkward about yourself and embarrassed, then you get older and you're asked to host the NME Awards, right? You think, oh, that's good, right? Because the NME Awards is cool. The person that hosts the NME Awards is cool. I'm hosting the NME Awards. Ergo, I'm cool, right? Wrong. No, no, no. If only it were that simple. I mean, I did enjoy hosting the NME Awards. Don't get me wrong, it was a fantastic evening. Lovely evening, magnificent event, exciting. Brilliant. Oh, what an honour to host the Enemy Awards. I had a magnificent time, really enjoyed it. Brilliant, fantastic evening, right up until the point where Bob Geldof called me a cunt <laughs> live on national telly that my mum was watching. <laughs> and the thing is, right, when Bob Geldof calls you a cunt, in my experience, it's difficult, right? Because Bob Geldof comes with a lot of cultural baggage, right? We're all aware of Bob Geldof and all the wonderful things he's done. You're aware of, like, the narrative timeline of Bob Geldof. Uh, oh, oh, I'm seven years old. Oh, Live Aid's on the telly. It's Bob Geldof. It's Bob Geldof. Give me the fucking money now. Oh, he's such an hero. <laughs> right? So I'm aware of him, aren't you? Oh, Bob Geldof. Oh, I get a bit older. Oh, Bob Geldof. Oh, right, he's had those daughters. Oh, that's silly names. But no, that, that's cool. Oh, I'm married. Paul, yeah, all right, okay. Oh, Mike Hutchins has wanked himself to death. Oh, that's bad. Another sex tip. <laughs> if, during a wank, you start to die, <laughs> maybe put a telly on or something. <laughs> Don't think, no, I've committed to this wank now. <laughs> if, during a wank, a tunnel of light appears, with Christ at the end of it. <laughs> Don't let that 
think, oh, Jesus, I'll fuck him in his stigma. <laughs> Stop the wank. Stop the madness, I tells you. Also, you're sort of aware of Bob Geldof. I was aware of Bob Geldof all my life. So it seemed mad, right? It seemed like, to me, that no time had elapsed from give me the fucking money now to Russell Brand, what a cunt. <laughs> it seemed like it happened in an instant, right? It's just, well, fucking hell, where's that from? I'm only seven. I mean, it's like Father Christmas coming up to me and going, Oi, Russell, spin on that, you prick. <laughs> I've been a good boy this year. I know, and it's hurtful as well because I've done absolutely nothing to deserve it, right? Bob Geldof had no right at all to call me a cunt. I've been nice, I've been polite, I've done nothing to elicit that kind of rudeness the whole night. Like, oh, right, it might have been because I did introduce him as Sir Bobby Gandalf. <laughs> maybe, maybe that. And I did throw to a VT of his mate Bono with the line, here's Bono, live from a satellite, orbiting his own ego. <laughs> maybe that. Antagonise him. I don't know. <laughs> Russell Brand, what a cunt. Ah, fuck shit, you bastard. Ah, really hurtful when someone says that to you, right? But there was one redeeming feature, and that was I knew that I had the perfect riposte, right? I had the perfect line to respond. And the reason for that was this, right? Earlier in the day, when I do TV stuff, I write with my mate Matt. We write stuff together, right? I was writing the link for Bob Geldof. And I just had this funny feeling that something would happen with Bob Geldof, right? It's not that insightful, really, because uh, the line to introduce Bob Geldof was this one. He'd won Best DVD for Live 8, and I introduced him thusly. <clears throat> the winner of Best DVD is Bob Geldof. My best DVD is Big Natural Tits 10. In a welcome return to form after the lazy and derivative Big Natural Tits 8 and 9. Of course we ain't recaptured the glory days of Big Natural Tits 1 and 2. Don't be ridiculous. But all this is academic because the Big Natural Tits series has been overlooked. Again. Here's Sir Bobby Gandalf. <laughs> He's not going to like that. That'll antagonise him, right? And Matt's going, no, he won't say nothing. He'll be all right, he'll be all right. I go, no, he will. He'll say something, he'll say something. I thought he was going to go, there's only one big natural tit here at that prick. That is what I anticipated from him. I was worrying about it. Matt's going, don't worry. And just as we're debating it, it came to me, the perfect line. Sometimes, as a comedian, a line will come to you that is so beautiful, so perfect, that you think... I did not create this line. <laughs> this line belongs to all of us. Surely this is a line of God. The line was, I goes to Matt. If he says anything to me, I'm gonna go. Bob Geldof. No wonder he's such an expert on famine. He's been dining out on I don't like Mondays for 30 years. <laughs> good line. It's got it all. It's funny, it's clever, it's succinct, it's true. It's all a good line needs. Matt goes, fucking hell, that's brilliant, that's brilliant. I go, I know, shall I just say it anyway? <laughs> no, you'll antagonise people. 
When the gig comes, right, Matt stands over in the wings about it. Oh, all right, is the thing going okay? Oh, should we change the thing? Oh, well, I see the Right, and then Bob Gildoff, he comes up the stairs. All right, Matt, okay. Bob Gildoff comes up, shakes my hand, doesn't look in my eyes, goes over there, looks over. Russell Brand, what a cunt. Ah, Fuck, shit, my mum's watching you, bastard. Right? Bob Gildoff, though, it's actual Bob Gildoff. Bad enough you get called a cunt, I don't know, by a dinner lady or a policewoman. But Bob Gildoff, Jesus. But I've got that line. I don't get many opportunities in my life to look cool. My life is essentially a series of embarrassing incidents strung together by telling people about those embarrassing incidents. <laughs> if I ain't in here telling you about them, I'm out there having them. <laughs> that is why when this gig ends, I'll be in no hurry to go. Don't send me back out there. Not to the embarrassing place. I'll remain here, shall I? Forever and spin yarns and rhubarb. <laughs> but in this moment, I felt like an assassin. <laughs> I've got that line. But it's Bob Geldof, Sir Bob Geldof, Saint Bob Geldof, all the magnificent things he's done for famine, all the wonderful things across the world, raising awareness, raising those children. Wonderful, magnificent, great man. But he has just called me a cunt <laughs> live on national television that my mum is watching. I've got to do something. You've got to do something. Someone says something like that to you. You have to respond, don't you? But it's a Bob Gildor. Can I say anything? Should I? Will I? Can I? It's such a great line. But it's Bob Gildor. Can I respond? Will I respond? Shall I respond? I look over to Matt, who's in the wings, and he goes... <laughs> The evening's event ain't over, not by a long chalk. Later in the evening, right, I have to introduce Joe Wiley. This is the link to introduce Joe Wiley. <clears throat> Joe Wiley is a woman who insists on breastfeeding her children. Curiously, she considers all homeless people to be her children. That is the introduction of a comedic idea. Earlier today, she had to be physically prevented from putting her boobie into Sean Ryder's mouth. <laughs> Meanwhile, however, between writing the joke and having to say the joke, Sean Ryder's been up to present an award, to collect an award, in fact, on behalf of the gorillas, right? And he's a shambling, rambling, narcotic casualty, right? He can hardly walk, he can barely talk. He shambles up to the mic. All right, you fucker, fucker. I'm so alright, you fucker. Alright, yeah, fucking alright, yeah, fucking alright, fucking alright. It's like a didgeridoo. Oh, yeah, fucking alright. He is the queen mum of junkies. <laughs> You can't say anything bad to Sean Ryder. Bob Geldof's already called me a cunt. It's too late to write another joke. Run over to the side stage. Matt, fucking hell, we can't write a new joke. We're going to have to change that name for this joke to work. Look, 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 we're going to have to think of another name. Jesus Christ. The joke is this. Joe Wiley's a woman who sits on breastfeeding her children. Curiously, she considers all homeless people to be her children earlier. They physically prevented putting their boobie in Sean Ryder's mouth. For this joke to work, we have to replace that name. We have to find someone, somewhere in this room, who we don't mind offending, who looks like they might be home. 
Bob Geldof. <laughs> Cut to Bob Geldof jabbing away at his mobile phone, looking for answers that are never going to come. Embarrassing, <sighs> though. Mmm. That was an orgasmic cry if ever I heard one. Yeah! I always knew that newspapers were full of just lies and treachery and rubbish and hogwash, right? But now, sort of, I'm in them. So I'm in a better position to judge. It's really, really mad. It's really abstract. They take you outside of yourself and sort of judge you away from yourself. Like our Native Americans don't like you to do a photograph of them in case it steals their soul. Well, there's something in it, let me tell you. It's very odd, very peculiar process. And I've read, like, tabloid newspapers all my life, particularly The Sun, sort of always thought of The Sun as sort of a friend, really. But do any of you have a friend that you t- fucking hate? <laughs> that has infiltrated your life and is trying to surreptitiously make you a bit racist with the promise of one pound day trips to France and bingo. <laughs> all right, mate, all right. Here, oh, come on, let's go a day trip to France. It's only a pound, only a pound. There are too many asylum seekers in this country. Only a pound, <laughs> What, what did you just say? What did you just say then? Only a pound, only a pound. No, no, no. Before you said only a pound, you said something. Day trip to France, day trip to France. Now, between day trip to France and only a pound, you said something about asylum seekers. I'll never, I'll never meet you. Come on, let's do a Sudoku. Don't think, it don't help to think. Just read this. Fucking hell, look at her. Look at her. Okay. I could be a bit racist, I suppose. On the weekend. Yeah, ridiculous. What about this story? Right, this is stupid. Stu- what stupid son pun I've ever read, right? It was a story about, right, admittedly, a bad story about a paedophile who'd been released and was now living in a tower block, right? And like the story said, well, I think it's disgusting that a paedophile is living in a tower block, taxpayers' money paying for it, where he can see a skull out the window. He's in a tower block, he can see loads of things, probably. <laughs> I don't know what distance you have to be from a school for it to lose its pornographic qualities. <laughs> it's probably got the internet up there, for fuck's sake, you know. And it's a really serious, pious piece. It's disgusting, it's immoral, it is wrong, right? And it's like, fair enough, okay, have that view. But, but the headline to the piece, after all this indignation and moral outrage, was... Pedophile living in a tower block, can see a school. Headline was, Perv's Eye View. (laughs) Have the moral outrage or have a cheeky little pun. You can't have both. You can't can't say in all seriousness, can you? Fucking hell, it's terrible. You know that paedophile's got up there, don't you? Well, I'd I'd like to say he's got a bird's eye view, but he ain't no bird. No, he ain't. He's a perv. <laughs> also, the word perv is a little bit flippant, don't you think, to describe a paedophile. Like, perv is a bit of a light-hearted sort of a word. Right, perv. Oh, you perv? Oh, yeah, that's not stuck. Look in my mum's knicker drawer, you perv. You bloody perv. Oh, 
Hey, that's my sister's bedroom. Stay out, bloody perv. Like someone said, like, yeah, I'm a mate's coming round later. He's a bit of a perv. Is he? Is he? Yeah, yeah, he fucks children. What? <laughs> Jesus. I don't think he's welcome. I feel nervous. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm in a position to prove that it is rhubarb, right? Because I'm in um. This, for example, is a story in the Daily Star that concerns me nearly getting smacked in the mouth by Tamara Beckwith, right? Well, let me tell you this. I have never in my whole life been in a room with Tamara Beckwith. Never met her, never spoke to her, never been anywhere near her. And here is a detailed story in the star, about 300 words, of how she nearly smacked me in the mouth, right? And this article, right, is a complete fabrication. Total lies. From its inception to its denouement, there ain't one single thing. Oh yeah, I know the word denouement. Oh yes. Thanks, cheers, appreciate it, guys. Throughout this article, there ain't one word of truth. Honestly, not one word of truth. Whole thing's a lie. Not a single word of truth. Not one. I'll read it to you. Randy Russell Brand. All right, one true word. Randy Russell Brand got into big bother with posh Tamara Beckwith. The night culminated in her threatening to punch him in his big mouth. Right. How this article functions is it by running in parallel two ideas. I, of course, present a programme what is called Big Mouth on the telly. That is a figurative, metaphorical mouth. Also, I have on my Facebook a mouth. <laughs> that is a literal anatomical mouth. It's by running these two ideas in tandem that this article is constructed. Tisruba. <laughs> The Big Brother's Big Mouth presenter, 30, has a penchant for posh blondes. I ain't got a penchant for posh blondes. That is a way of losing about 80% of your market. <laughs> so his mojo went into overdrive when he saw the plum-voiced fox at London's Opium Club. Plum-voiced fox, right? <laughs> If you take the idiom, plum in one's mouth, meaning talks posh, and contract that to plum voiced, then take the adjective foxy meaning sexy and change it to the noun fox, then co-join that to plum voiced fox, you don't get a posh sexy bird what talks all proper, you get a perverted Beatrix Potter character. <laughs> you get a fox in a waistcoat <laughs> with a pocket watch. Hello. Good evening. For I am the plum-voiced fox. I bid you good evening. Would you care for a glass of mint? <laughs> Stupid. The big-haired pixie, me. The big-haired pixie started his woo-a-thon it's like it's been written by Tolkien. <laughs> the 
big head pixie started his woo-a-thon by asking if he could borrow Tamara's eyeliner. Right, given that I've never met her, never been in a room with her, what a specific lie to tell. <laughs> Why that lie? Why not say, um, I don't know, right, uh, uh, the Neptunian underworld king unleashed a barrage of eels from his abdomen and each of the eels was carrying a Zippo lighter and as they flew by, they spelt across the sky in fire. Tara, I can't borrow your eyeliner, please. <laughs> gonna make stuff up, go mental. <laughs> She just wanted to have a good night out with her teenage daughter and she said the eyeliner opener was the worst chat-up line she'd ever heard. Oh really? Well, stick around because I've got worse. <laughs> the worst of all being simply get in the van. <laughs> He offered to buy her a drink, but she snapped she already had one and promptly legged it away from him onto the dance floor. However, Russ is made of sterner stuff, so he boogied towards her. <laughs> I ain't boogied anywhere. I do not boogie places. And the simple reason I don't boogie is because me boogieing somewhere looks like this. <laughs> that is not a way I wish to travel. <laughs> it was at this point he started wiggling his elfin bum in Tamara's horrified mush. I'm not 12 foot tall. <laughs> Tamara lost patience. She snapped at Brand. You're the one with the big mouth, aren't you? Thrilled that she'd finally acknowledged his famous self, Russell nodded enthusiastically. <laughs> I don't mind a lie story saying I nodded. Nodding looks like this. <laughs> I do resent a lie story saying I nodded enthusiastically. That looks like this. <laughs> gesture unlikely to lead to coitus. <laughs> You're the one with the big mouth, aren't you? She continued, if you don't leave me alone, you'll get a smack in it. Right, that is the apex of the article where the figurative big mouth and the literal anatomical mouth meet in a collision of language, an explosion of ideas. Disruba. <laughs> Poor Russell was horrified to be spurned in front of his jeering pals. I ain't got jeering pals. My friends are not Sid James, Leonard Rossiter and Albert Steptoe. People like Trevor Locke. Gentlemen. Jeering pals. He rarely has to go back to Brand Towers on his lonesome... I live in a one-bedroom flat. 
Little Russ was had the pleasure of a galaxy of celebrities, then it lists some, and it goes, add to those a host of prostitutes. A host of prostitutes. Not just one or two, an host of them. Imagine a 1940s musical sort of tiered wedding cake set with a cabaret line of prostitutes in top hat and tails sort of cascading down like a human whore waterfall. With each kick, they get more and more deteriorated because they're all crack addicts. <laughs> host of prostitutes. A host of prostitutes, pals and distant relatives. Surely that's libelous. Surely that. Distant relatives. I've not fucked anyone in my family. <laughs> No matter where they live. <laughs> Geography's really not the issue. It's more of a moral position, really. Hello, grandmother. <laughs> nice of you to visit from Vancouver. <laughs> However, the cardigan you've given me is an inappropriate Christmas gift. Come hither. <laughs> That's right, settle down. <laughs> Look, girl, I'm not interested in your knees. Let's have a white Christmas we'll never forget. Not really. There is no grandmother there. What an illusion. Conjured with mere language. Behold. The mortified fop, me again. <laughs> laughed off his failure, saying, I'm a sexy wild man. <laughs> I did not say I'm a sexy wild man. I did not say that. Russell. Russell. Yeah, sorry to disturb you when you're sleeping. Trying to um, remind you of that time when you met Tamara Beckwith. Uh, I've never met, I've never met Tamara Beckwith, I've not met her. You have. <laughs> Well, I've not met her. You have. You met her, and then you boogied towards her. I don't boogie, I'm not boogied. I... Then you said, you said, and I believe this is verbatim. I'm affecting didn't, I didn't say anything, you did. It's in the star, it's very clear. I'm a sexy wild man. She didn't have to see my winky if she didn't want to. I hope my bachelor ring, David Walliams, Beppe and Callum Best don't hear about this. Right. That is because on that programme Big Mouth, I, for a laugh, pretend to be a member of this thing called the womanising circuit. It's just a laugh. It's made up. It's for a laugh. Now, as it turns out, I am friends with David Walliams, right? But... Beppe... <laughs> is a fictional character <laughs> from EastEnders about ten years ago. This is Pepe. There is no Pepe. There ain't, never was and never can be a Pepe. He is an actor, what is called Michael Greco. And I've never met him. Ridiculous. Just made up. 
And if they'll lie about something that trivial, just to make you believe what they want to believe about something as ludicrous as me, then they'll lie to you about anything, to manipulate you into believing all sorts of things. I don't know, wars, oil, stuff like that. I don't know. It's not worth getting out of bed some mornings. Right. Okay. I think this show might nearly be finished. No! I think it might be. No! I know. It seems a shame, don't it? Listen, I'm not getting anything out of it. I don't relish going back to the embarrassing place. <laughs> the land of humiliation, where everything goes wrong, where I do up me flies and catch me foreskin, where I trip over, <laughs> land on a dog. It's no fun for me. I like it here, who are you? Have you enjoyed this gig? <laughs> Thank you. It's a laugh. I always think, though, that's always a bit mad, like, sort of, when this gig ends, you know, maybe later on you'll talk to some people, they'll go, oh, right, how was that gig? You'll go, yeah, fine, bit wordy. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I sort of think, you know, okay, that's, that's okay, it's not a bad analysis, but wouldn't it be more interesting, certainly as an anecdote, wouldn't it be more interesting if someone went, oh, how was that gig? And you went, yeah, it was all right, I enjoyed it. Um, Really very talented, you know, you'd say something like that, I don't know. <laughs> That's up to you, I don't, you know, I don't want to plant words. That's you say we like there. You know, I know, yeah, it's all right, it's quite good, it's good, good it was. Enjoyed it a lot. It was really, it was just a normal gig, really. But then at the end of the gig, all the lights were lowered and it went completely dark in there. It really freaked me out, actually, a bit. It was in, in complete and utter darkness. Blackness was throughout the auditorium. And, like, then everyone took their clothes off and started fucking each other. <laughs> I had someone in me mouth, someone went off in me arsehole. We surfed out of the empire on a river of sperm, so as we did. Da -da -da. We could do that. We could do that if we wanted to. We are free. We are free to do it. We could just strip and do that. Shall I start? There's nothing to stop us. There is literally no law against it. There's one law, one law. <laughs> Indecent exposure. They give me every time with that. <laughs> We're not going to do that, are we? Because maybe someone's here with their sister or something. I'm a bit awkward about that. <laughs> so, can't really do an Audrey. What if I brushed against you, even by mistake? What, what would we tell Mum, who's also our cousin? <laughs> it's be confusing for people. It's all right, you know, because I can just work through you on a one-to-one -one basis in the bar after. I will say this though, right? If you're um, a single heterosexual woman and like, you know, maybe you might, I don't know, you might fancy me a little bit and I think, oh, but he's fancy, you know, but you might think maybe, oh, he's on the telly and that, he's so unobtainable. I'm not unobtainable. <laughs> they scotch that rumour. No. Well, <laughs> yeah, ooh. almost time for the show to end. So, um, oh, so I'll say, thank you very much for coming to see me. I've enjoyed performing for you. It's been a right laugh and that. I loved it. Thank you for coming, all them people up there. Thank you for coming. All the tears of you, every single one of you. I thank you very much.
It was a trick, sit back down. <laughs> right, I just want to tell you one last thing. Hello, you all right, dear? You've had a nice evening, you've had quite a lot of attention. Right, we could, if there are any burning questions that you have, you know, uh, right, now you've wandered into a terrible territory, young man. When's the main act on? Guess what? You just became it. <laughs> and it's not good news, I'm afraid, because it was a Bangkok ping pong ball spectacular. Your arsehole will be a ribbony, ragged mess, young man. If it isn't already. If there are any proper questions, not silly, childish questions, bless you, then, you know, I'm happy to answer them. Any inquiries? Yes, dear. What is your inquiry? String commando or tiger print. String commando or tiger print. I think, you know, I look very nice in all three, really. <laughs> Although the string one that does separate your ball bags <laughs> makes it look ridiculous, makes it look like a Newton's cradle made of flesh. <laughs> But at least we understand gravity better. <laughs> yes. What, what, dear? Rod Stewart. Yeah, that thing about Rod Stewart, right, that was out of order. So I was just mucking about. Right, what happened was, that a GQ Awards, won award. My, right, this is how my life is always embarrassing, right? I won award, most stylish man, and end up being fucking humiliated. That, <laughs> that's not right, is it? <laughs> not fair. What is it with the rock star fathers of this world? What are they afraid of? <laughs> so, like, um, yeah, what happened was, right, um, I had to, like, you know, get my award and stuff, and Rod Stewart was there, and I, for a laugh, right, I'd sort of spoke to Rod Stewart, and he'd had gone to me, I'll be, you know, wash it with all the birds and that, right? So, like, so when I went up on stage to collect my award, I goes, um, oh, Rod Stewart there just gave me some advice, told me to stop womanising. That's a bit rich coming from him, right? <laughs> That's the first little bit of the joke. Second bit of the joke was, mind you, I did have a go on his daughter, right? <laughs> it was a joke, right? Just a joke. I hadn't had one. Then later on, Rod Stewart comes up and goes, Russell, like on the stage, but I think like, this isn't right, right? And it doesn't seem normal to me, this, but Rod Stewart is on the stage, I'm at some do, I just, been like given a prize for wearing nice waistcoats. <laughs> and suddenly I got Rod Stewart going, Russell Brand, stand up. Oh, oh fucking hell. <laughs> stand up. He goes, Russell, you better put your hand on your heart and swear that you've never touched my daughter. I'm meant to be winning an award. It's meant to be an happy occasion. <laughs> That's it, just go, yeah, no, I ain't Rod, I'll, I'll never touch that. It was fucking right, you haven't. You know, it's a like, really awkward and embarrassing situation. I'm going to be winning an award for style. That man, in his prime, wore tiger fucking leggings. <laughs> me. But he was sort of mucking about a bit, and we have the same PR agent, and it's all sort of, you know, really, it weren't that bad storm in a teacup, really, you know. So, um, are there any more inquiries, quizzes, or... Ah, oh, yes, dear. Is it true that I'm now settling down? Yes, right, because I don't like reading about sex all the time, about me having it off with people. It's depressing, it's, put me, it's ruined sex. It's ruined it, because I sort of, like, what if I'm having it off, right, say it's going, it might be going quite nice, right, like, like I sort of be over someone, and go, brand, and I hear in my head, <laughs> brand loomed over the girl. <laughs> 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 
every swordsman unleashed his dinkle and sneered, I'm a sexy wild man. Puts you off sex, right? And also, you have to read kiss and tells, right? Look at this kiss and tell in the people, really upsetting. Sleazy TV Russell begged me for a threesome with a cheap King's Cross hooker. Right? As if, like, if you're, you know, all right, begging for a threesome, that's quite realistic. But <laughs> you're unlikely to find yourself in a situation where you're begging for a threesome and you say, oh, could I just say, as a condition of this threesome, could it be with someone who's doing it just for financial reasons? Could it be with a desperate King's Cross hooker? I'd like to see poverty in the cold, dead eyes of the third member of this trio. Would insist on that, would you? Just get one of your mates. Also, it goes, lover, right, the subheading, lover tells of BB hosts depraved lust. Oh, well, depraved lust is actually a tautology because lust is already indicative of depravity. So I won that. Thank you. And I hate it the way tabloids sort of give you an adjective that describes you for your whole life, right? You know, uh, like evil, wild. Right, listen to my one. Oddball, big brother host. <laughs> that a bit oddball. And it goes into details. Cassie, right, that's Cassie. Look, right, Cassie. And it always goes, the whole story goes, Cassie's pal informed us. Cassie's pal said this. Right, let me tell you, Cassie's pal is Cassie. <laughs> Cassie, who split with the Big Mouth host earlier this year because she could no longer cope with his madcap demands. <laughs> madcap demands. <laughs> Cassie, my dear. I'll take this feather quill, you take a biro, we'll write all over each other and see who arrives in the future first. <laughs> Ridiculous. Right, then it does that thing they do in tabloids of bullet pointing and emboldening certain words to give them unnecessary and often undue emphasis. Right? Cassie reveals how he. Right, the words they've chosen for me are really like not incendiary or inflammatory words. It's really stupid. Look, she reveals how he asked. <laughs> An inflammatory word, is it? The verb to ask. Um, uh, excuse me, do you know the way to the railway station? <laughs> you bastard! <laughs> Asked her to punish him for being a naughty boy. Enjoyed! Backward. Enjoyed! Enjoyed! Squeezing into her skimpy panties. It's hard enough getting into mine. <laughs> Admitted! <laughs> Admitted! That's really not a word that requires that emphasis, is it? To admit something. You might as well go, meandered! <laughs> Pondered! Inquired! Admitted, he lost. 
virginity in a brothel at the age of 15. This one's good. Flow! Flow into tantrums, unlike his happy-go-lucky TV image. And threw a fit, because Cassie bought the wrong sort of cat food. Right, that is true, actually. <laughs> he likes Hill Science Plan chicken flavour kitten food. <laughs> Speaking of the night, Cassie's pal said that Russell was still trawling the notorious King's Cross Red Light District. Cassie's pal told the people, last Christmas he started begging for a threesome with a hooker and she refused. He said he used to go to King's Cross when he was on drugs looking for hookers. Yeah. When you're on heroin, what you really like doing is going to a depressed area full of criminals and looking at prostitutes when you can't ejaculate because you're smacked out of your mind. <laughs> Still enjoyed having sex with them. She also discovered his addiction came from when he went to a brothel as a teenager. This was where he lost his virginity. Russell asked her to participate in group sex, but she always said no. She fucking didn't. <laughs> Zany Russell is currently the hottest new act in telly. Oh, you guys. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Also dressed as Osama Bin Laden. Sacked off XFM. Oh, oh, drugs in the studio. Cassie's introduction to the long-haired TV star was just as bizarre. She was in a bar in North London with her girl pal when Russell kept riding past on his motorbike. I ain't got a motorbike. <laughs> Boom! Ride a bike. How do you keep riding past on a motorbike? How do you keep over? <laughs> he was staring at Cassie each time he drove past. She was getting uncomfortable and moved away from the window. That's not that dramatic, is it? <laughs> then he walked up to her and asked her for a date. She was a bit bowled over and the next thing I knew, she told me they'd been out. On the first date, she was shocked because he demanded sex from her and she isn't like that. She fucking is. <laughs> if she hadn't been, there wouldn't have been a second date. <laughs> One does not go out with Cassie because of a mutual love of the works of Sylvia Plath. <laughs> oh, that's just... Christine and discuss the bell jar. <laughs> Weird fantasies, he would do funny dances and dress up as a geeky boy. That might be true. <laughs> oh, la, so, uh, he, was he was a charmer and won the hearts of millions of fans, but he's the opposite in private. He confessed to putting a happy-go-luck to the public, but really he was moody and depressed. He was often miserable, and she said it was because of his past drug addiction. Oh, yeah, and most people get addicted to heroin because they're right proper cheerful, you know. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. He was often miserable because drugs had messed up his brains. He would suffer from mood swings and throw tantrums if she did things wrong. One time she bought the wrong sort of cat food. They're really going on about his cat food. <laughs> I'm not going to let go of that. He bought the wrong sort of cat food. Right, this is good. Right, Russell started to scream and shout, throwing things around the living room. 
he threw a huge tantrum. I like that. So it's already gone throwing things around the living room. Then it goes, he threw a huge tantrum. So it's like, right, there's the standard lamp. Some pillows and a cushion, a picture of your mum. Tantrum. <laughs> he then sulked for ages just about the cat food. I like that. They specified, right, like that during a sulk, you would go, yeah, uh, I'm sulking now, but... Um, I want you to know this is just about the cat food. <laughs> I've not allowed this depression to bleed into other issues. I'm not starting about global poverty or the inevitability of death. This is just a cat food related. <laughs> not Felix, not whiskers, you stupid bitch. <laughs> Daft. Cassie soon realised Russell was never satisfied with anything, himself, sex and his career. He would talk bizarrely about ruling the world and that his TV career was just the starting point. <laughs> that might be a little bit true. <laughs> he would tell her his TV career was a means to getting a following where people would start to follow his beliefs. Yeah, let's start a cult where everyone spits all over their balls. It's a wonderful system. We just gobble each other's bums and go sighting. <laughs> Daft, really. Blah, 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 cheating on her, couldn't be monogamous, told Cassie, blah, blah, blah. If she didn't give in to his sexual demands, go elsewhere, and he did. It's lovely, they got a quote from me. I remember them phoning me up, right? It was really good. And it's, they put the quote in. Look, it says, Last night, Russell said, Blimey! <laughs> I have no recollection of these events. It's like something Lewis Carroll would write. <laughs> and they print that. It's Rubar. Right. Well, you've all been very patient. You've been lovely. I'm sure it'll be a smashing DVD. Do buy it. Have a look at your little faces and whatnot. That's, it's been all right, hasn't it? Exciting evening, no? Thank you. Thanks for clapping. I really appreciate you coming to see me. It means an awful lot to me. I'd hate to be here on my own. It would just look ridiculous, wouldn't it, Frank? A man floundering and sweating in isolation. I'll do that when I get back home, surely. <laughs> I would like to thank you and offer you actual genuine love. Hare Krishna. Good night. Ta-ta. <laughs>
be an entrance door or an exit door and I don't want to walk right up to it and commit in case you're meant to come through the other side and I, I just, I couldn't live with myself if that happened. <laughs> right, so, so, and the sensor is really delayed before it opens so I'm sort of like walking up to it sort of nervously sort of <laughs> approaching it like a circus show pony like a feather plume on the edge. Eventually go through the door and leader of Holiday Enemies is there watching. He goes, that was complicated, wasn't it? <laughs> Again, I opt for the confrontation, right? <laughs> Foolish. Because <laughs> I just don't know how to do them properly. This is what I said, right? Again, watch this live. I'll recreate it for you. I go, <clears throat> <clears throat> I can see you boys are going to be trouble. <laughs> you know, you've said something like that. That's it, it's out in the world now. That's part of your life, ain't it? It's with you, that's it. You've said that thing. Humiliating, I've got to live with that knowledge. It's not like I think of it all the time. I weren't thinking about it when I was walking about earlier or just now or anything, but it's sort of with me. And like mostly what happens is there's some part of me, some malevolent, cruel thing within me that won't let me forget that. Some dark sprite of malevolence won't never let me be free. Normally it strikes when I'm like about to fall to sleep, when I'm all resting and peaceful. This cruel thing within me gets off on telling me stuff I've done that makes me look bad. <laughs> Russell. <laughs> Russell. <laughs> well, I'm confused. Yeah, hi. Um, sorry to disturb you, Russell. I see you getting to sleep and that, and um, you know, I hope you have a good night's sleep. I just wanted to remind you of that time when you got into a confrontation in the airport with those guys and you felt all insecure about yourself and your masculinity and stuff and your genitals retracted back up into you and you said you said and I believe this is verbatim I can see you boys are gonna be trouble <laughs> sleep well kicking the duvet. Oh shit, that thing. Legs involuntarily sort of trying to kick it away with sort of, as if it's the duvet's fault somehow. Ah, oh, that thing. There is no tog strength powerful enough <laughs> to protect you from the chill of shame. Mm. Water. Mary, Paul, yeah, alright, okay. Oh, Mike Hutchins has wanked himself to death. Ah, oh, that's <laughs> bad. Another sex tip. <laughs> if during a wank you start to die, maybe put a telly on or something. Don't think, no, I've committed to this wank now. If during a wank a tunnel of light appears with Christ at the end of it, don't let that spur the wank on. Don't think, well, it's Jesus, I'll fuck him in his stigma. <laughs> Stop the wank. Stop the madness, I tells you. Also, you're sort of aware of Bob Geldof. I was aware of Bob Geldof all my life. So it seemed mad, right? It seemed like to me that no time had elapsed from give me the fucking money now to Russell Brand, what a cunt. 
seemed like it happened in an instant, right? It's just, well, fucking hell, where's that happen? I'm only seven. You know what I mean? It's like Father Christmas coming up to me and going, Oi, Russell, spin on that, you prick. <laughs> I've been a good boy this year. <laughs> I know, and it's hurtful as well because I've done absolutely nothing to deserve it, right? Bob Geldof had no right at all to call me a cunt. I've been nice, I've been polite, I've done nothing to elicit that kind of rudeness the whole night. Like, all right, it might have been because I did introduce him as Sir Bobby Gandalf. <laughs> maybe, maybe that. And I did throw to a VT of his mate Bono with the line, here's Bono, live from a satellite, orbiting his own ego. <laughs> maybe that antagonised him. I don't know. Russell Brand, what a cunt. Ah, fuck, shit, you bastard. Ah, really hurtful when someone says that to you, right? But there was one redeeming feature, and that was I knew that I had the perfect riposte, right? I had the perfect line to respond. And the reason for that was this, right? Earlier in the day, when I do TV stuff, I write with my mate Matt. We write stuff together, right? I was writing the link for Bob Gilton. I just had this funny feeling that something would happen with Bob Geldof, right? It's not that insightful, really, because uh, the line to introduce Bob Geldof was this one. He'd won Best DVD for Live 8, and I introduced him thusly. <clears throat> the winner of Best DVD is Bob Geldof. My best DVD is Big Natural Tits 10. In a welcome return to form after the lazy and derivative Big Natural Tits 8 and 9. Of course, we ain't recaptured the glory days of Big Natural Tits 1 and 2. Don't be ridiculous. But all this is academic because the Big Natural Tits series... I know the word nomenclature, and this in itself prohibits me from being good at fighting. <laughs> Look at how I do the confrontation, right? This is how rubbish I am at doing a confrontation, how much I've misunderstood the dynamic of a confrontation. I will recreate for you live here for your perusal that moment as it happened, right? I reach down for the bag, think, right, I'm going to do the confrontation now. This is how I begin the confrontation. Woo! <laughs> Never begin a confrontation with woo! That is our mum's get a neighbour's attention. Oh, Jean, Jean! It is an essentially feminine sound. I think you need a vagina to do it properly. <laughs> to recognise how feminine it is, try to imagine an icon of masculinity making that sound. Try and imagine Clint Eastwood making that sound. <laughs> Ooh. Or Ray Winston making that. <laughs> Don't sound right. <laughs> I know what this looks like, but it's not actually my bag. I'm collecting it for a friend. Leader of the Holiday Enemies, immediately, quick as a flash, goes, Oh, yeah, I believe you, mate. Fares is what? Fares is what? Pleased with himself for that. Embarrassing for me. Hurt my feelings. That makes for your sympathy. Right then, later, there's another 
embarrassing altercation. You know, like we are mostly probably English people, right? So we're embarrassed all the time. You know, if you're in another country and things are slightly different, sort of still in the airport, and I've got the bags and everything, all quite pleased, you know, I'm a bit bruised by that experience, but I'm trying to get through, you know, them doors, what's like uh, automatic, there is a word for it, <laughs> automatic doors. Right, and because it's France, right, and things are a little bit different, I'm not sure if it's like meant to be an entrance door or an exit door, and I don't want to walk right up to it and commit in case you're meant to come through the other side, and I, I just, I couldn't live with myself if that happened. <laughs> right, so, so, and the sensor is really delayed before it opens, so I'm sort of like walking up to it, sort of nervously, sort of <laughs> approaching it like a circus show pony, like a feather plume on the edge. <laughs> eventually go through the door and leader of holiday enemies is there watching he goes that was complicated wasn't it <laughs> again i opt for the confrontation right <laughs> foolish because i just don't know how to rock and roll right he embodies rock and roll in that moment he becomes what he is. And in those moments when sex is perfect, when you're absolutely lost in it, I think, I'm not fucking. I am fuck. <laughs> nice sometimes, a little bit, during sex, to do some talking dirty. Sex talk, you know. Talking dirty, nice. Because otherwise maybe some intimacy will happen. You know, if you're not careful to establish intimacy, that's going to ruin the sex. Because like, I mean, like, if you're really enjoying sex with someone and it's if you don't know them, sort of like a laugh, really good fun, but then you sort of like, maybe you'll find out that, you know, she'll tell you maybe that her brother is diabetic. <laughs> I'm worried about him now. <laughs> is your brother all right? <laughs> Should I get him a biscuit? <laughs> I'll wash my hands first. No, I'm worried. I'll get him. <laughs> the problem, of course, with talking dirty in sex is that we only have a very limited vocabulary to draw from, right? There ain't that many sex things you can say. And if you make a mistake during it, it really clangs, no? <laughs> Sounds bad. You can only really say, I want to fuck you, fuck me, fuck you, fuck, fuckity fuck, you know? It's not that many things you can say. I once made a terrible mistake in a sexual situation. I was going, it was going quite well, actually. I was enjoying myself. I think this is a good performance. It's all right, you know. Oh, what do you have to spoil it for then? You know, and I accidentally, during sex, sort of thought, yeah, heighten it a bit with some talking dirty. And I said, by mistake, sort of went, oh, I'd like to do a fuck on you. <laughs> He's going to put his little finger up his bottom, I think. <laughs> I've touched you, and I? He's already got one digit inside him. Go on, get in the lavvy, you saucy devil. I'll be in in a minute with some lubrication. <laughs> yeah, and on one occasion, worse even than that, right? I was, if, I, if I tell you this thing, right, after I've told you, don't judge me and think... <laughs> Oh, what a dickhead, right? Remember that it was me that told you. The only reason you know is because I've told you, all right? So remember that. Don't think, oh, we're superior, we've got one on over him. No, 
I told you this thing, alright? Because it's embarrassing. There was a time during sex where over there looks over Russell Brand, what a cunt. Ah, fuck shit, my mum's watching you bastard, right? Bob Geldof, though, it's actual Bob Geldof. Bad enough you get called a cunt, I don't know, by a dinner lady or a policewoman. But Bob Geldof, Jesus. But I've got that line. I don't get many opportunities in my life to look cool. <laughs> my life is essentially a series of embarrassing incidents strung together by telling people about those embarrassing incidents. If I ain't in here telling you about them, I'm out there having them. <laughs> That is why when this gig ends, I'll be in no hurry to go. Don't send me back out there. Not to the embarrassing place. I'll remain here, shall I? Forever and spin yarns and rhubarb. <laughs> but in this moment, I felt like an assassin. <laughs> I've got that line. But it's Bob Geldof. Sir Bob Geldof, Saint Bob Geldof, all the magnificent things he's done for famine, all the wonderful things across the world, raising awareness, raising those children. Wonderful, magnificent, great man. But he has just called me a cunt <laughs> live on national television that my mum is watching. I've got to do something. You've got to do something. Someone says something like that to you. You have to respond, don't you? But it's a Bob Geldof. Can I say anything? Should I? Will I? Can I? It's such a great line. But it's Bob Geldof. Can I respond? Will I respond? Shall I respond? I look over to Matt, who's in the wings, and he goes... <laughs> The evening's event ain't over, not by a long chalk. Later in the evening, right, I have to introduce Joe Wiley. This is the link to introduce Joe Wiley. <clears throat> Joe Wiley is a woman who insists on breastfeeding her children. Curiously, she considers all homeless people to be her children. That is the introduction of a comedic idea. Earlier today, she had to be physically prevented from putting her booby into Sean Ryder's mouth. <laughs> Meanwhile, however, between writing the joke and having to say the joke, Sean Ryder's been up to present an award, to collect an award, in fact, on behalf of the gorillas, right? And he's a shambling, rambling, narcotic casualty, right? He can hardly walk, he can barely talk. He shambles up to the mic, all right, you fucker, fucker. I'm so alright, you fucking alright, you fucking alright, you fucking alright. I had to, like, you know, get my award and stuff, and Rod Stewart was there, and I, for a laugh, right, I sort of spoke to Rod Stewart, and he'd had gone to me, I'll be, you know, watch it with all the birds and that, right? So, like, so when I went up on stage to collect my award, I goes, um, oh, Rod Stewart there just gave me some advice, told me to stop womanising. That's a bit rich coming from him, right? <laughs> That's the first little bit of the joke. Second bit of the joke was, mind you, I did have a go on his daughter, right? <laughs> it was a joke, right? Just a joke. I hadn't had one. Then later on, Rod Stewart comes up and goes, Russell, like on the stage, but I think like, this isn't right. Right, and it doesn't seem normal to me, this, but Rod Stewart is on the stage, I'm at some do, I've just been, like, given a prize for wearing nice waistcoats. 
And suddenly I got Rod Stewart going, Russell Brand, stand up. Oh, oh fucking hell. <laughs> stand up. He goes, Russell, you better put your hand on your heart and swear that you've never touched my daughter. Well, I'm meant to be winning an award. It's meant to be an happy occasion. <laughs> That's it, just go, yeah, no, I ain't Rod, I'll, I'll never touch that. It was fucking right, you haven't. You know, it's a really awkward and embarrassing situation. I'm going to be winning an award for style. That man in his prime wore tiger fucking leggings. Fucking <laughs> me. But he was sort of mucking about a bit, and we have the same PR agent, and it's all sort of, you know, really, it weren't that bad storm in a teacup, really, you know. So, um, are there any more inquiries, quizzes, or Ah, oh, yes, dear. Is it true that I'm now settling down? Yes, right, because I don't like reading about sex all the time, about me having it off with people. It's depressing, it's, put me, it's ruined sex. It's ruined it. So, like, what if I'm having it off, right, say so it's going, it might be going quite nice, right, like, like I sort of be over someone, and go, brand, and I hear in my head, <laughs> brand loomed over the girl. <laughs> swordsman unleashed his dinkle and sneered, I'm a sexy wild man. Put you off sex, right? And also, you have to read kiss and tells, right? Look at this kiss and tell in the people, really upsetting. Sleazy TV Russell begged me for a threesome with a cheap King's Cross hooker. Is right? if, like, if you're, you know, all right, begging for a threesome, that's quite realistic, but <laughs> you're unlikely to find yourself in a situation where you're begging for a threesome and you say, oh, could I just say, as a condition of this threesome, could it be with someone who's doing it just for financial reasons? Could it be with a desperate King's Cross hooker? I'd like to see poverty in the cold de- STILL <laughs> enjoyed having sex with them. She also discovered his addiction came from when he went to a brothel as a teenager. This was where he lost his virginity. Russell asked her to participate in group sex, but she always said no. She fucking didn't. <laughs> Zany Russell is currently the hottest new act in telly. Oh, you guys. Blah, blah, blah. Also dressed as Osama Bin Laden. Sacked off XFM. Oh, oh, drugs in the studio. Cassie's introduction to the long-haired TV star was just as bizarre. She was in a bar in North London with her girl pal when Russell kept riding past on his motorbike. I ain't got a motorbike. <laughs> Why don't ride a bike? How do you keep riding past on a motorbike? How do you keep over? <laughs> He was staring at Cassie each time he drove past. She was getting uncomfortable and moved away from the window. That's not that dramatic, is it? <laughs> then he walked up to her and asked her for a date. She was a bit bowled over and the next thing I knew, she told me they'd been out. On the first date, she was shocked because he demanded sex from her, and she isn't like that. She fucking is. <laughs> if she hadn't been, there wouldn't have been a second date. 
one does not go out with Cassie because of a mutual love of the works of Sylvia Plath. <laughs> oh, that's just... Can we stay in and discuss the bell jar? <laughs> Weird fantasies. He would do funny dances and dress up as a geeky boy. That might be true. <laughs> oh, la. So he, was he was a charmer and won the hearts of millions of fans, but he's the opposite in private. He confessed to putting a happy-go-luck to the public, but really he was moody and depressed. He was often miserable, and she said it was because of his past drug addiction. Oh, yeah, and most people get addicted to heroin because they're right proper cheerful, you know. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. He was often miserable because drugs had messed up his brains. He would suffer from mood swings and throw tantrums if she did things wrong. One time, she bought the wrong sort of cat food. They're really going on about this cat food. <laughs> I'm not going to let go of that. He bought the wrong sort of cat food. Right, this is good. Right, Russell started to scream and shout, throwing things around the living room. He threw a huge tantrum. I like that. So it's all really? <laughs> there is no grandmother there. <laughs> what an illusion. Conjured with mere language. The mortified fop, me again, <laughs> laughed off his failure, saying, I'm a sexy wild man. <laughs> I did not say I'm a sexy wild man. I did not say that. Russell. Russell. Yeah, sorry to disturb you when you're sleeping. Trying to um, remind you of that time when you met Tamara Beckwith. Uh, I've never met, I've never met tomorrow, maybe I've not met her. You have. <laughs> no, I've not met her. You have. You met her, and then you boogied towards her. <laughs> I'm not boogie, I'm not boogie. I... Then you said, you said, and I believe this is verbatim. <laughs> You did. It's in the star. It's very clear. <laughs> I'm a sexy wild man. She didn't have to see my winky if she didn't want to. I hope my bachelor ring, David Walliams, Beppe and Callum Best don't hear about this. Right. That is because on that programme Big Mouth, I, for a laugh, pretend to be a member of this thing called the womanising circuit. It's just a laugh. It's made up. It's for a laugh. Now, as it turns out, I am friends with David Walliams, right? But Beppe <laughs> is a fictional character <laughs> from EastEnders about ten years ago. <laughs> this is Beppe. There is no Beppe. There ain't, never was, and never can be a Beppe. He is an actor, what is called Michael Greco. <laughs> and I've never met him. Ridiculous. Just made up. And if they'll lie about something that trivial just to make you believe what they want to believe about something as ludicrous as me, then they'll lie to you about anything to manipulate you into believing in all sorts of things. I don't know. Wars, oil, stuff like that. I don't know. It's not worth getting out of bed some mornings. Right. Okay. I think this show might nearly be finished. No! I think it might be. No! I know. 
It seems a shame, don't it? Listen, I'm not getting anything out of it. I don't relish going back to the embarrassing place. <laughs> the land of humiliation, where everything goes wrong, where I'll do up my flies and... A little bit, during sex, to do some talking dirty. Sex talk, you know. Talking dirty, nice. Because otherwise, maybe some intimacy will happen. You know, if you're not careful, you can establish intimacy, that's going to ruin the sex. Looks like I me, mean, like, if you're really enjoying sex with someone and it's if you don't know them, sort of like a laugh, really good fun, but then you sort of like, maybe you'll find out that, you know, she'll tell you maybe that her brother is diabetic. <laughs> I'm worried about him now. <laughs> is your brother all right? <laughs> Should I get him a biscuit? <laughs> Wash me hands first. No, I'm worried. I'll get him. <laughs> the problem, of course, with talking dirty in sex is that we only have a very limited vocabulary to draw from, right? There ain't that many sex things you can say. And if you make a mistake during it, it really clangs, no? <laughs> Sounds bad. You can't really say, I want to fuck you, fuck me, fuck you, fuck, fuckity fuck, you know? It's not that many things you can say. I once made a terrible mistake in a sexual situation. I was going, it was going quite well, actually. I was enjoying myself. I think this is a good performance. It's all right, you know. Oh, what do you have to spoil it for then? You know, and I accidentally, during sex, sort of thought, yeah, heighten it a bit with some talking dirty. And I said, by mistake, sort of went, oh, I'd like to do a fuck on you. <laughs> He's going to put his little finger up his bottom, I think. <laughs> I've touched you, and I? He's already got one digit inside him. Go on, get in the lavvy, you saucy devil. I'll be in in a minute with some lubrication. <laughs> yeah, and on one occasion, worse even than that, right? I was, if, I, if I tell you this thing, right, after I've told you, don't judge me and think... <laughs> Oh, what a dickhead, right? Remember that it was me that told you. The only reason you know is because I've told you, all right? So remember that. Don't think, oh, we're superior, we've got one on over him. No, I told you this thing, all right? Because it's embarrassing. There was a time during sex where I accidentally, accidentally, might have, I did. A little bit, accidentally, a little bit, put on an American accent. <laughs> what I suppose is perfect, what is very heaven, is when you find a sexual partner with whom you can lose yourself, where you can create a sexual context of absolute perpetual bliss. A moment that exists outside of time, a moment where you're unaware of your birth, unaware of your death, where you're absolutely in that animalistic moment and yet at the same time divine. I likes them. <laughs> Freud says the sexual self is the essential self. Who you are when you're fucking is who you are in your soul. And that's a good idea for me because I quite like that lizard boy I become come during sex. Oh, yeah, I'm a kind of lizard boy thing. Oh, yeah. Ooh. You know, like, so, if you see Prince 
performing, if you see Prince the pop star performing rock and roll, right? He's like, oh, hello, I'm Prince, I've come to do some rock and roll, right? He embodies rock and roll. In that moment, he becomes what he is. And in those moments when sex is perfect, when you're absolutely lost in it, I think, I'm not fucking. I am fuck. (laughs) Nice sometimes, a little bit, during sex, to do some talking dirty. Sex talk, you know, talking dirty. Nice. Because otherwise maybe some intimacy will happen, you know. If you're not careful, you can establish intimacy, that's going to ruin the sex. Because like, I mean, like, if you're really enjoying sex with someone and it's sort of you don't know them, sort of like a laugh, really good fun, but then you sort of like, maybe you'll find out that, you know, she'll tell you maybe that her brother is diabetic. <laughs> I'm worried about him now. <laughs> is your brother all right? <laughs> Should I get him a biscuit? <laughs> I'll wash my hands first. No, I'm worried, I'll get him now. <laughs> The problem, of course, with talking dirty in sex is that we only have a very limited vocabulary to draw from, right? There ain't that many sex things you can say. And if you make a mistake during it, it really clangs, no? <laughs> Sounds bad. You can only really say, I want to fuck you, fuck me, fuck you, fuck, fuckity fuck, yeah? There's not that many things you can say. I once made a terrible mistake in a sexual situation. I was going, it was going quite well, actually. I was enjoying myself. I think this is a good performance. It's all right, you know. Oh, what do I have to spoil it for then? You know, and I accidentally, during sex, sort of thought, yeah, heighten it a bit with some talking dirty. And I said, by mistake, sort of went, oh, I'd like to do a fuck on you. <laughs> Right, then it does that thing they do in tabloids of bullet pointing and emboldening certain words to give them unnecessary and often undue emphasis, right? Cassie reveals how he... Right, the words they've chosen for me are really like not incendiary or inflammatory words. It's really stupid. Look, she reveals how he... Asked! An inflammatory word, is it? The verb to ask. Um, uh, excuse me, do you know the way to the railway station? <laughs> you bastard! <laughs> Asked her to punish him for being a naughty boy. Enjoyed! 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 Squeezing into her skimpy panties. It's hard enough getting into mine. <laughs> Admitted! <laughs> Admitted! That's really not a word that requires that emphasis, is it? To admit something. You might as well go, meandered! <laughs> Pondered! Inquired! Admitted he lost his virginity in a brothel at the age of 15. This one's good. Flow! Flow into tantrums, unlike his happy-go-lucky TV image. 
and threw a fit because Cassie bought the wrong sort of cat food. Oh, that is true, actually. <laughs> he likes Hill Science Plan chicken flavour kitten food. <laughs> Speaking of the night, Cassie's pal said that Russell was still trawling the notorious King's Cross Red Light District. Cassie's pal told the people, last Christmas he started begging for a threesome with a hooker and she refused. He said he used to go to King's Cross when he was on drugs looking for hookers. Yeah. When you're on heroin, what you really like doing is going to a depressed area full of criminals and looking at prostitutes when you can't ejaculate because you're smacked out of your mind. <laughs> Still enjoyed having sex with them. She also discovered his addiction came from when he went to a brothel as a teenager. This was where he lost his virginity. Russell asked her to participate in group sex, but she always said no. She fucking didn't. <laughs> Zany Russell is currently the hottest new act in television. <laughs> in a welcome return to form after the lazy and derivative Big Natural Tits 8 and 9. Of course, we ain't recaptured the glory days of Big Natural Tits 1 and 2. Don't be ridiculous. But... All this is academic because the Big Natural Tits series has been overlooked. Again. Here's Sir Bobby Gandalf! <laughs> He's not going to like that. That'll antagonise him, right? And Matt's going, no, he won't say nothing, he'll be alright, he'll be alright. I go, no, he will, he'll say something, he'll say something. I thought he was going to go, there's only one big natural tit here at that prick. That is what I anticipated from him. I was worrying about it, Matt's going, don't worry. And just as we're debating it, it came to me, the perfect line. Sometimes, as a comedian, a line will come to you that is so beautiful, so perfect, that you think, I did not create this line. <laughs> This line belongs to all of us. Surely this is a line of God. The line was, I goes to Matt. If he says anything to me, I'm gonna go. Bob Geldof. No wonder he's such an expert on famine. He's been dining out on I don't like Mondays for 30 years. It's huh? a good line. It's got it all. It's funny, it's clever, it's succinct, it's true. It's all a good line needs. Matt goes, fucking hell, that's brilliant, that's brilliant. I go, I know, shall I just say it anyway? <laughs> no, you'll antagonise people. <laughs> when the gig comes, right, Matt stands over in the wings about it. Oh, all right, is everything going okay? Oh, should we change the thing? Oh, all right, I'll see you Right, and then... Bob Gildoff, he comes up the stairs. All right, okay. Bob Gildoff comes up, shakes my hand, doesn't look in my eyes, goes over there, looks over. Russell Brand, what a cunt. Ah, fuck shit, my mum's watching you bastard. Right? Bob Gildoff, though, is actual Bob Gildoff. Bad enough you get called a cunt, I don't know, by a dinner lady or a policewoman. But Bob Gildoff, Jesus. But I've got that line. I don't get many opportunities in my life to look cool. <laughs> my life is essentially a series of embarrassing incidents strung together by telling people about those embarrassing incidents. 
if I ain't in here telling you about them, I'm out there having them. <laughs> that is why when this gig ends, I'll be in no hurry to go. Don't send me back out there. Not to the embarrassing place. I'll remain here. I was aware of Bob Geldof all my life, so it seemed mad, right? It seemed like, to me, that no time had elapsed from give me the fucking money now to Russell Brand, what a cunt. <laughs> seemed like it happened in an instant, right? It's just, well, fucking hell, where's that from? I'm only seven. I mean, it's like Father Christmas coming up to me and going, Oi, Russell, spin on that, you prick. <laughs> I've been a good boy this year. I know, and it's hurtful as well because I've done absolutely nothing to deserve it, right? Bob Geldof had no right at all to call me a cunt. I've been nice, I've been polite, I've done nothing to elicit that kind of rudeness. The whole night, like, all oh, right, it might have been because I did introduce him as Sir Bobby Gandalf. <laughs> maybe, maybe that. And I did throw to a VT of his mate Bono with the line, here's Bono, live from a satellite, orbiting his own ego. <laughs> maybe that antagonised him. I don't know. <laughs> Russell Brand, what a cunt. Ah, fuck, shit, you bastard. Ah, really hurtful when someone says that to you, right? But there was one redeeming feature, and that was I knew that I had the perfect riposte, right? I had the perfect line to respond. And the reason for that was this, right? Earlier in the day, when I do TV stuff, I write with my mate Matt. We write stuff together, right? I was writing the link for Bob Geldof. And I just had this funny feeling that something would happen with Bob Geldof, right? It's not that insightful, really, because uh, the line to introduce Bob Geldof was this one. He'd won Best DVD for Live 8, and I introduced him thusly. <clears throat> the winner of Best DVD is Bob Geldof. My best DVD is Big Natural Tits 10. In a welcome return to form after the lazy and derivative Big Natural Tits 8 and 9. Of course, we ain't recaptured the glory days of Big Natural Tits 1 and 2. Don't be ridiculous. But all this is academic because the Big Natural Tits series has been overlooked. Again. Here's Sir Bobby Gandalf. <laughs> He's not going to like that. That'll antagonise him, right? And Matt's going, no, he won't say nothing. He'll be all right, he'll be all right. I go, no, he will. He'll say something, he'll say something. I thought he was going to go, there's only one big natural tit here at that prick. That is what I anticipated from him. I was worrying about it. Matt's going, don't worry. And just as we're debating it, it came to me, the perfect line. Sometimes, as a comedian, a line will come to you that is so beautiful, so perfect, that you think... I did not create this line. <laughs> this line belongs to all of us. Surely this... Good evening. <laughs> nice of you to have turned up, thanks. Lovely to see you all. Thanks for coming, are you all right? Nice in here, isn't it? <laughs> nice atmosphere in that. <laughs> nice to come in here. Oh, I can see you all. How beautiful. <laughs> so, right, yeah, I want to talk to you about shame. 
right, and embarrassment. I'm always, I get embarrassed and ashamed all the time, right? Really always find myself in really awkward... Oh, they are. Even, <laughs> even while telling you that I get into embarrassing situations, I trip over a microphone cord that I insisted was made gold. <laughs> oh, oh, Christ, why? Um, yeah, right, I every year have to go on these skiing holidays. I hate skiing. It's like conscription skiing holidays that I'm forced to go on, right? And I have to go with these, like, look at me. I have to go, I can't ski. I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't know. I don't like the sticks. I'm frightened of it, right? And I'm forced to go with these proper, like, northern men. Right, a group of about ten northern men. Proper fucking men, all right? Fucking, all right? Have some of that fucking men. Look at how they walk different movements. Or men that emanate from their cocks. Cock men, I'll call them. All right, fucking, I'll come fucking skiing. Right, sort of move, sort of like that. All right, fucking, all right? Oh, I'm much more like, yeah, ooh, hello. <laughs> Woo! Let's ski, guys. Woo! <laughs> so I had to go skiing with ten cock men. Everything they do is from the cock. Every movement, watch. I will demonstrate one drinking. Watch. The cock moved. <laughs> the cock is involved in their every action. I'm not in a position to judge that aspect, I suppose. Right, so I went on this skiing holiday with ten cock men, ten men, men, like one woman and me, right, not sure which camp really to dwell with. We went to this place, Val d'Isère in France, and you have to, first of all, you have to go to Lyon Airport, right, and uh, when we got to the airport, the three most alpha males went to get the higher cars, right, and go to me, Russell, you look after t bugs, right? <laughs> I don't mind looking after took bags. <laughs> looking after took bags is a perfectly acceptable role for a beta male. It's fine. And also, that could be quite a good bit of the holiday. I like the carousel bit of the holiday. If your bags come quickly, sighting. Oh, oh, it's my, it's my bag. Look, my, my bag's next to your bag. Don't go, diddly diddly. I'm a man. So <laughs> took my cock out of her mouth, looked at me all serious and went, do you like me deep throat in your heart? <laughs> Said, I don't like you using the word deep throat as a continuous verb. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> that noise is a siren from the universe that you are having sexual excitement in your lives. That is the world informing you that your life is exciting, sex-wise. <coughs> if you hear that noise during sex. <coughs> if you hear this noise during sex. <coughs> that means you're misusing a vacuum cleaner. <coughs> so I feel bad enough after I ejaculate if I'm with a human being, you know. If after I come, I look down at the face of Henry the Uber. <laughs> oh, Henry, what have I done? <laughs> he would only try and help. You <laughs> just wanted things to be clean, didn't you? And I've made him dirtier than ever. <laughs> but it will cause confusion if you put a face on a machine that has the ability to suck. <laughs> 
dangerous than put eyelashes on a toaster. You're a lovely little pop chart. Oh. Nice to do that. At least Henry the Hoover, I suppose he's got wheels, so if you feel awful afterwards, you can just sort of like kick him back in a spare room. Maybe. Yeah, the old sex. Good old sex. It'll bring us all down eventually, who knows? Or me. Yeah. Right. So, I thought this. If you're me, and I am, right? <laughs> and you sort of grew up thinking that like, maybe it was a little bit fat and awkward about yourself and embarrassed, then you get older and you're asked to host the NME Awards, right? You think, oh, that's good, right? Because the NME Awards is cool. The person that hosts the NME Awards is cool. I'm hosting the NME Awards. Ergo, I'm cool, right? Wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> If only it were that simple. I mean, I did enjoy hosting the Enemy Awards. Don't get me wrong, it was a fantastic evening. Lovely evening, magnificent event, exciting, thrilling. Oh, what an honour to host the Enemy Awards. <laughs> now I'm in a position to prove that it is rhubarb, right? Because I'm in um. This, for example, is a story in the Daily Star that concerns me nearly getting smacked in the mouth by Tamara Beckwith, right? Well, let me tell you this. I have never in my whole life, been in a room with Tamara Beckwith. Never met her, never spoke to her, never been anywhere near her. And here is a detailed story in the star, about 300 words, of how she nearly smacked me in the mouth, right? And this article, right, is a complete fabrication. Total lies. From its inception to its denouement, there ain't one single thing. Oh yeah, I know the word denouement. Oh yes. Thanks, cheers, appreciate it, guys. Throughout this article, there ain't one word of truth. Honestly, not one word of truth. Whole thing's a lie. Not a single word of truth. Not one. I'll read it to you. Randy Russell Brand. All right, one true word. Randy Russell Brand got into big bother with posh Tamara Beckwith. The night culminated in her threatening to punch him in his big mouth. Right. How this article functions is it by running in parallel two ideas. I, of course, present a programme what is called Big Mouth on the telly. That is a figurative, metaphorical mouth. Also, I have on my face, look, a mouth. <laughs> that is a literal anatomical mouth. It's by running these two ideas in tandem that this article is constructed. Tis The Big Brother's Big Mouth presenter, 30, has a penchant for posh blondes. I ain't got a penchant for posh blondes. That is a way of losing about 80% of your market. <laughs> so his mojo went into overdrive when he saw the plum-voiced fox at London's Opium Club. Plum-voiced fox, right? <laughs> If you take the idiom, plumb in one's mouth, meaning talks posh, and 
contract that to plum voiced, then take the adjective foxy meaning sexy and change it to the noun fox, then co-join that to plum voiced fox, you don't get a posh sexy bird what talks all proper, you get a perverted Beatrix Potter character. <laughs> you get a fox in a waistcoat <laughs> with a pocket watch. Hello. Good evening. For I am the plum-voiced fox. I bid you good evening. Would you care for a glass of mint? What about, though, what I suppose is perfect, what is very heaven, is when you find a sexual partner with whom you can lose yourself, where you can create a sexual context of absolute perpetual bliss. A moment that exists outside of time, a moment where you're unaware of your birth, unaware of your death, where you're absolutely in that animalistic moment and yet at the same time divine. I likes them. <laughs> Freud says the sexual self is the essential self. Who you are when you're fucking is who you are in your soul. And that's a good idea for me because I quite like that lizard boy. I Come during sex. Oh, yeah, I'm a kind of lizard boy thing. Oh, yeah. Ooh. You know, like, so if you see Prince performing, if you see Prince the pop star performing rock and roll, right? He's like, oh, hello, I'm Prince. I've come to do some rock and roll, right? He embodies rock and roll. In that moment, he becomes what he is. And in those moments when sex is perfect, when you're absolutely lost in it, I think, I'm not fucking. I am fuck. <laughs> nice sometimes, a little bit, during sex, to do some talking dirty. Sex talk, you know, talking dirty. Nice. Because otherwise maybe some intimacy will happen. You know, if you're not careful to establish intimacy, that's going to ruin the sex. Because like, I mean, like, if you're really enjoying sex with someone and it's sort of you don't know them, sort of like a laugh, really good fun, but then you sort of like, maybe you'll find out that, you know, she'll tell you maybe that her brother is diabetic. <laughs> I'm worried about him now. <laughs> is your brother all right? <laughs> Should I get him a biscuit? <laughs> I'll wash my hands first. No, I'm worried. I'll get him. <laughs> the problem, of course, with talking dirty in sex is that we only have a very limited vocabulary to draw from, right? There ain't that many sex things you can say. And if you make a mistake during it, it really clangs, no? <laughs> Sounds bad. You can only really say, I want to fuck you, fuck me, fuck you, fuck, fuckity fuck, you know? It's not that many things you can say. I once made a terrible mistake in a sexual situation. I was going, it was going quite well, actually. I was enjoying myself. I think this is a good performance. It's all right, you know. Oh, what do you have to spoil it for then? You know, and I accidentally, during sex, sort of thought, yeah, heighten it a bit with some talking dirty. And I said, by mistake, sort of went, oh, I'd like to do a fuck on you. LAUGHTER